initiating startup. You're listening to the Loud and Queer podcast, Australia's only national radio show by and for queer youth. Loud. Sorry about that. Uh, You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. <laughs> I'm Sammy. I'm here in the studio with Marcy. Why, hello. And Laura. Hi there. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Steven Universe now. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. So, I guess just to, um, to, to start this off, uh, I watch Steven Universe. I really love it. What about you guys? It's one of my favorite shows in all the universe. <laughs> uh, I feel like it could be my favorite show, but I think I've only seen one or two episodes. So I feel a bit like the, the newbie here, but got a lot to learn today. Yeah, no. So um, obviously, just to, before we, we get into it, we're going to be talking about Rebecca Sugar mostly. But um, so season five of Steven Universe is wrapping up. Uh, there's been some huge reveals. Yes. Don't want to go into it because spoilers. Oh, no. It's a very serialized series, so uh, if we were mentioning one little like thing about it, it'll just spoil all things. But one thing we can kind of mention is something quite groundbreaking, like a really big milestone, not only for the show, but for all like animated like cartoons and series and all that. Do, you know, that. do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe, but there's a lot, a lot of groundbreaking stuff. So, Ah, yes. The universe is one of those shows that's just inherently groundbreaking. <laughs> like, Rebecca Sugar, the creator of the show, is just, is just like... She has done a lot of like like work like for the show like and like done a lot of like groundbreaking stuff for the for for, for our community so yeah uh, is it is this the wedding yes it is yeah, the wedding. yeah okay so yeah. <laughs> um, sorry light spoilers take a stroll if you absolutely if you want to go into the series absolutely blind but we're gonna we're gonna just like try and avoid saying going into details as much as possible but yeah yeah the show kind of made like history because we were given one of or if not the first lesbian wedding in mainstream cartoon history. Mm. I heard about that one actually. Yeah, it was it was a very beautiful moment. Um, yeah, cried a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I we um they kind of dropped so they they just released uh, like a new episode at Comic Con, but before that they released um the like last four or five episodes like night after night and like one one big event. So me and my friends we all met up and we we watched them all in one big go, mm. and yeah it was just su- such a great night just like bringing bringing at least that very small group of queer friends together. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've heard, I know there are a lot of um, sort of non-explicit references coming out lately in, in cartoons and animation and things of uh, queer people, queer couples, and I'm wondering, in this, has there been kind of an explicit relationship prior to the wedding? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is kind of like... It kind of enters spoiler territory, but let's just say that the two characters that are in the wedding, they uh, have a very special relationship. Yeah, 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 definitely. And like that was um, uh, the, those characters. I get, I'm trying to not spoil it at all, but <laughs> but the, those characters um were never not in a couple. Like we're never not a couple. I guess uh, is okay. to to yeah. put it yeah. clearly. The um, wedding was just a way to make their love like like it was just another way mm. to express it. Really, yeah. yeah made it more clear um so yeah i guess moving on then uh so it it is a beautiful show Mm. rebecca sugar is a beautiful person that creates that created the show um and in a recent interview with npr's 1a podcast uh, rebecca rebecca revealed that they are non-binary or identify as non-binary 
And so we have a little clip that we're going to play here just now. This is from the, the NPR podcast. One of the things that's really important to me about the show is that the gems are all non-binary women. They're, they're very specific and they're coming from a world where they don't really have the frame of reference. Uh, they're coded female, which is very important. And th them being coded female, I was really excited because I felt like I had not seen this to make a show about a young boy who is looking up to these female-coded characters. And I'm sorry, and when, you, when you say they're coded female, what do you mean by that, coded? They, they appear to be female. They're a little more representative of non-binary women. They, they wouldn't think of themselves as women, but they're fine with being interpreted that way amongst humans. Um, and I am also a non-binary woman, which is it's been really great to express myself through these characters because it's very much how I have felt. That was Rebecca Sugar there talking about um, uh, them identifying as non-binary and how they kind of like interpret that into the show, into Steven Universe. Mm, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, if you're just joining us, this is Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. I'm Sammy, joined by Marcy and Laura. So yeah, um, what did y'all think of that clip? Uh, I think it's pretty incredible how Rebecca kind of worked up to it and sort of didn't say it in passing, didn't say it like it wasn't important, but kind of made it normal. Yeah. Like just said it like it was normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's like a one of the amazing things about the show. It, it's never like, oh, look at this wacky, wacky family and these wacky people. It's like, no, this is just their life. And like, mm. it's... In like in a very simple way of like yeah. interpreting it, it's like this is just like not the, not the nuclear family, but mm. it's it's perfectly fine that way, the way it is. Yeah, like it's like really really down to earth, and like the whole like the whole setting, like like the whole setting of the show, like like basically is like, it's a very down to earth place, and all these people like they're really relatable, and like you can just like, the like the like the the people, the people you probably meet every day in your own life, and it's just like really like cool to like like see that in the show. Mm, yeah. Definitely. And um, so the, the Crystal Gems, which are kind of like the main characters of the show, mm. the, the group that Stephen is a part of and that kind of like take care of him, um, uh, Rebecca's talked about in like different interviews that they're all different aspects of, uh, of her relationship with her younger brother, mm. Stephen, who's is named Stephen and is who Stephen uni like Universe is based on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I think he does story, like um, backgrounds to the show as well. Like, he actually does work on the show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting. And then, obviously, because of that, um, all the all the crystal gems are, like, non-binary but, but coded female and mm. use, use There's like... a bit of truth-telling in it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, yeah, and I, I just... It's just an amazing thing that um, someone's just able to use their lived experiences as a queer person to, like, develop really amazing characters. Mm. And as someone who doesn't watch the show yet uh yeah i'm wondering <laughs> yeah but i'm i'm getting pretty convinced um did i sort of noticed the news but didn't really follow because i didn't really know who rebecca sugar was sorry but um <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all right <laughs> unfortunately yeah but um what do you both think was the kind of um reception from the fans uh as like coming out as non-binary yeah or um, it was really positive. And I, th I think like a lot of people kind of knew it as well, which is what I was going to talk about earlier. Um, like, I don't know if coming out, I guess like it, it's a public coming out, but I think Rebecca's been living as non-binary 
for a mm-hmm. while now, just like amongst um, her slash their friends. And yeah, it's just like, this is just, it was revealed very casually in this interview, I think, because mm. it's just like, oh, I guess the public hadn't known yet, but it was pretty safe to assume. Mm. And um, has Rebecca ve- revealed uh, any preferred pronouns that we might use? Uh, I think uh, they haven't stated whether they would prefer they, um, but I guess it, it's good to use it from now on. It's mm, They is always safe just one. safe, yeah, because... <laughs> There's never a way you're not misgendering someone. Mm. But um, also, like, every kind of publication I, I read it, it still uses she, her. So, mm. yeah, and, like, in that interview, Rebecca was talking about um, still, like, kind of being coded and, and being very, like, female, even though she, they identify as non-binary. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm just, well, when I found out about it, I was like, I still don't knew for a while. Oh, yeah? Because, yeah. like, <laughs> with, with seeing verse especially, it kind of helped me, like, explore my own identity and just, like, relate to a lot of the characters. Because I may have already said this on air, and it's been said to me a lot, but people mm. do compare me to Steven. But uh, sometimes I feel like I can identify myself more with some other characters. Like, a, like well, would it spoil anything if I were to mention these names? Just probably not. I mean, like it, they're they're all named after gems, so it's pretty. <laughs> oh pretty well, safe. one is not. A, well, the name is like not a gem name. Ah, uh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, it's, it's so hard. I I really don't want to like kind of reveal anything because yeah, it's like it's such an amazing show to watch through, and like especially because I. The first time I watched it, I was just, like, really, really sick, and I couldn't leave the house. And I think they were, like, in the middle of making season three. And so I just watched yeah. it all in, like, one weekend really quickly. And, like, not a lot of people were talking about it then. So it was just, like, all, like, very, like, completely blind for me. I yeah. just, like, oh, yeah, this nice. person that worked on Adventure Time is making mm. a show. I'll check it out. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, and now it's, like, my favorite show of all time. It and sounds really wholesome, and it's, like, always been on, like, my radar as, like, a queer show. Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. If you haven't, I'm probably going to when I get some time. Sounds like an amazing, um, cute little show. And, like, I think, um, the way you're describing it kind of makes me imagine, like, chicken soup sort of thing, but in, like, TV form. You know, that kind of, like, comforting, like, feeling. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah okay. Like, when people like chicken soup for the soul or whatever, that's kind of how I imagine oh. things like Steven Universe. But, you know, we'll see. That's a really good way of like <laughs> of, of saying it, actually. Yeah. yeah and, like the universe just does that. It's like it's like food for the soul mm. in that in that way. So yeah. 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 Um, I guess we should jump into the next block of songs. For, but uh, very quickly before that, um, Steven Universe movie was announced as well recently. <gasps> yes. That's yeah. I almost forgot about that. But <laughs> yeah, it was like that between Rebecca Sugar and like like, coming out as non-binary and stuff, and this other announcement about the, the movie is, like, my whole weekend was, like, exploding with, like, all this excitement and all this, like, oh, my gosh, and, like, yeah. Feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of feelings. Just a good time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this song is by Frank Ocean. It's called Solo. Yes. A uh, bit it, of a language warning for mm. it. He loves a bit of a swear, Frank, but mm. it's all good. We're all going to be... On your Frank. Enjoy it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so this is Solo by Frank Ocean. You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation.
You're listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. I am Sammy. I'm joined by Marcy and Laura. Hi. Hello. Uh, so, yeah, we that was um, Stay the Night by the Internet. That's a, a song off their new album, uh, Hive Mind, which was released like, um, like a couple days ago. Very new album. Really fantastic stuff by, obviously, Sid and Steve Lacey from the band uh, Queer. So good stuff. And before mm-hmm. that was a solo by Frank Ocean from he, his amazing 2015 album, Blonde. Is it 2015 or 16? One the other. I'm going to say 15. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, <laughs> uh, just before that, though, I just wanted to quickly throw it out there that we were talking about um, Rebecca Sugar and who came out as non-binary and we're talking about pronouns. And I just quickly looked it up and just want to clarify that she does identify as... Uh, she, her preferred pronouns are still she, her, even though she identifies as non-binary. So, yeah, just wanted to throw it out there. Moving on now to Sappho. Yeah, so I uh, wanted to explore some queer history this week, um, notably an ancient Greek poet named Sappho who I found a lot of people don't know about, even in the queer community. Um, she lived on the island of Lesbos, um, in Greece, <laughs> mm. uh, around, um, I think, 600 BC. Um, and very little is known about her life because nothing was really preserved. A lot of her works were actually destroyed, apparently mm. by the Catholic mm. Church. But again, we don't know very much about her at all. We don't know how her works were lost when they were quite um, prolifically um, well-known throughout Greece and the Mediterranean in general. Um she was quite admired from around 300 BC to 31 BC, so it's quite um, strange that we don't know anything about her now, but she only has one complete poem remaining, which is the Ode to Aphrodite. Um, we do know that she was part of the aristocracy in Lesbos, and she wrote around 10,000 lines of poetry, and only o- just over 600 remain. So it's quite unfortunate that we've lost so much information about her. We know very little about her family or, like, children she had or if she was married. Um, But she has been compared to poets, like, or writers like Homer, who lived a similar time, and his works have been quite well preserved in comparison. We have the entirety of the Iliad and the Odyssey. Um, Basically... There's been a lot of debate over why Sappho wrote poetry. She wrote a lot of lyric poetry, which was intended to be sung along with a lyre. Um, And people have conjectured that she uh, was like a schoolmistress or um, a choir leader or she performed at celebrations like weddings. But what is clear about her poetry is that there is a lot of admiration for other women and I think that's really interesting because there's also a lot of debate about whether that admiration was meant romantically or platonically Um, and it's quite hard to decipher because of how fragmented her poetry is because we don't know a lot about her life or her relationships and just because it's kind of hard to translate ancient, ancient Greek Um, (laughs) so yeah I just wanted to kind of discuss what it means that you know there are so many uh, there are quite a lot of poems preserved from 
from the past couple thousand years from when people started really writing things down and, you know, why this female poet who was potentially seen as being as good as someone like Homer has been kind of lost. So it's an interesting topic. Um, And some people say it's, you know, her poetry was lost because she was a woman. Other people say she kind of was whitewashed as, you know, being uh, transformed into sort of this heterosexual figure. Um, No one really knows how she died, but apparently there's this legend that she fell in love with a fisherman called Phaon and ended up actually throwing herself off a cliff because they couldn't be together. But apparently that was just a a story made up. There's no evidence behind that. Um, And kind of shows that people really work to change her into this heterosexual woman. Um, There's also a story that she has a daughter called Cleus, but that, again, could actually be, you know, a young lover. So it's a really interesting story. I wonder what you guys think about kind of whitewashing queer history like that. Yeah, no, it's... It's really interesting. I've just got like a, a like poet bio open right now, and it it is just like completely like no mention of the fact that she was potentially queer at all, other than like a quick line, um, at the end saying like this character. Uh, three centuries after her death, the writers of the new comedy parodied Sappho as both overly. Promotious, um and lesbian, the characterization held fast so much so that the very term lesbian is derived from the name of her home island, which is huge. And it's like that's the only mention that they have of like her queerness. And I had to listen to like a bit of her poetry earlier. I had nothing to intend. I can't remember the names or anything because mm-hmm. I only just found out about Sappho last week when you mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it like the, the admiration is very strong and like very there Mm. so um and she does use this word um eros which is love but it could it can actually be translated into platonic love or romantic love so again even the few um kind of pieces of evidence that we do have are sort of ambiguous in their ability to be translated into a modern context also, lesbian, of course, wasn't even a word. You know, she is kind of the reason for it beginning. So when she was actually painted by, you know, like p- people over the years have tried to kind of um, write biographical um, depictions of her life, but because there's so little known about her, they kind of have to fill in the blanks, and a lot of that can be influenced by you know, their own understanding of queerness, of being a woman, of being a woman in ancient Greece. It just kind of goes on like that. And so a lot of it's just sort of almost made up. It just doesn't feel like we're ever really going to know anything. And some fragments of her poetry were discovered only in 2014. So we are still finding things. Mm. Um, And it's quite interesting. Some things have been preserved on, like, pottery. Others have been found on scrolls, but the sorts of scrolls that people were writing her poetry onto were just discontinued in use. So, yeah, there's a lot of reasons that her things could have been destroyed, but we don't really know why. For a starter, I did actually hear about, like, like where the origin, like, the word lesbian, like, where that came from, like, a while ago, like, like five or so years ago. But, like, until today, I didn't actually know, like, the actual person who inspired that, like, 
so it's really good like to hear about this person like I kind of wish I like knew more about the person I want to know more about this person and honestly if I could time travel I would probably go back to uh, this person's <laughs> like, like 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 try to preserve some like some of her works and like yeah that know. would be incredible wouldn't it just to have a bit more access to those 10,000 lines of poetry that she wrote it's quite incredible mm. um I guess the the hard thing for me has been you know I don't want to be one of those people that fills in the blanks of her story as well because yeah. people do that and they've changed her into a heterosexual I don't want to do that and change her into a lesbian you know um so it's kind of an interesting debate to have even if we never find an answer it's sort of like let's just preserve her and have her as she is you know yeah true and um sorry go on um I just wanted to say there's no doubt that she admires women a lot in her poetry um in the complete Ode to Aphrodite she uh has some beautiful language written um directed at Aphrodite and it's quite beautiful but again it's like is this a love poem um using Aphrodite as a symbol or is it simply just lyrical made for a beautiful celebration yeah Mm. do we have any poetry to read or uh I do have a couple of stanzas from the Ode to Aphrodite that I could read out to finish off the segment So I'm probably going to read the last two stanzas because it really demonstrates what I'm trying to say. But it is is, um, Sappho speaking to Aphrodite who visits her in kind of a dream. So it says, Now she runs away, but she'll soon pursue you. Gifts she now rejects, soon enough she'll give them. Now she doesn't love you, but soon her heart will burn, though unwilling. Come to me once more and abate my torment. Take the bitter care from my mind and give me all I long for. Lady, in all my battles, fight as my comrade. Lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I will be honest. Like, <laughs> hearing that, it honestly sounds like something that, like, it kind of hits too close to home for me in certain ways and, like, the, like <laughs> relationships and, like, me being a hopeless romantic and stuff. But, like, mm. that's just my interpretation. Like... Yeah. There's another another way to interpret a lot of things. So yeah. And it is it is fictional writing, so it's meant to be interpreted in different ways. That's another thing people forget when debating her as a person. It's we don't know almost anything about her as a person, but we can interpret her po- interpret her poetry how we like. So Yeah. Um should we jump into a song? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this is a, a song by a sports bra, local Australian band. Well, queer, good stuff. Um, this song is called <laughs> Bug Bites from their album Sports Bra. Great, been great music this show, not too. Mm. Yeah. Yes, and great uh, content. But now we've got our frost for the week, don't we? Yeah, uh, froth sure or not? <laughs> who, yeah, would, who would like to go? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, just to quickly recap, froth or not is something that we do every week, and uh, yeah, we just talk about something that we enjoyed this week or something we haven't. If we got nothing that we enjoyed, but uh, I've got a froth. Uh, so a uh, bunch of things have happened this week, very hectic, very chaotic. Uh, I have got a rainbow scarf now, so that's pretty cool. It's a beautiful nice. scarf. Yes. Yes. It looks really warm. Mm. Oh, it is, yes. I've been uh, totally admiring it from afar. <laughs> kind of keen to steal it, actually. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that was going to be my froth, but uh, that has kind of fused together with this other froth I have because I went to uh, a 21st. Oh, I went to a 21st last night. 
Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, exciting. A uh, close friend? A uh, very close friend, actually, from high school. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was uh, a good night? Oh, yeah, like, really good night. I mean, we uh, danced a lot. Like, it was, like, a very, it was a very interesting kind of 21st, because a lot of, like, a, like, uh, like, 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 his his family and then like like parents from like all my friend groups and this and that. It's like it was very uh very chill like mm. jazzy kind of party and nice, uh wholesome party. <laughs> yeah, very wholesome. Yeah, and uh then we uh, belted some songs in the end as well. Uh, I uh, belted a Bon Jovi song. Like, oh, you know, amazing. I, yeah, I uh, sort of lost my voice after that. <laughs> <laughs> Which song was it? Uh, Living on a Prayer. Oh, perfect. A classic karaoke song. Yeah. But anyway, oh, that's my froth. Uh, yes. Nice, nice. Laura? Mm. Well, uh, I've been binging Orange is the New Black season six since it came out, I think, like two or three days ago. I completely forgot that it was even coming out um, this month. But yeah, it was actually... Well, it's been incredible. I have, I think, three more episodes to go, which is really sad. I always finish it in about three days and then realise that I have to wait another year for the next season to come out. But I would just say um, it... Well, last season was really, really heavy. Um, And it was amazing because it really highlighted the Black Lives Matter movement going on in the US, which was really intense, but really, I don't know, I think an incredible... Um, female-driven way of portraying what's going on. Um, But as well as that, um, I think it was really hard to watch the last two seasons just because it was so intense. So this season they've kind of mixed in some humour with the the darkness. So (laughs) it's a little um, easier to watch. You kind of get to revisit all the characters and see how they're doing and it's it's still pretty intense, but I think that's the nature of the show. Um, and as well as that, there are a few new characters which I'm really into. Um, one is is called Daddy, and she's not such a a morally uh, straightforward character, but yeah, really interesting and uh, pretty attractive too actually <laughs> but yeah um no it's been a really good season getting really excited to watch yeah. the next few episodes i uh, really need to actually start watching that see that series actually mm, get on yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> and sammy uh yeah my father this week um i went to this this film screening for a film called chasing coral which is a documentary about uh kind of bleaching of coral across the world it focused on the great barrier reef for a long time though um, yeah, it was a screening at RMIT University. It was a lot of fun to go to. There was free pizza, mm. which is always a good time. Always it, good. I love when a venue offers free pizza because it's very easy to bring people and then, mm. like, mm. kind of attract them. And then it's like, cool, here's an environmental documentary now. <laughs> Sit down and enjoy. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was like a very, it was a very sad mm. documentary. Um, and it, it is on Netflix if people oh, would like nice. to check it out. Definitely. And yeah, so that's just my froth. Just like pizza, pizza film screenings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Netflix, which I also really need to get. Mm. <laughs> just for that too now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Is that the same people that uh, produced or made Chasing Ice? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it's a very, it, it's pretty kind of similar to Chasing Ice, obviously same cinematographer but very different because it, it's like um 
it's like a lot more like cinema verite and like um, meta, and then it shows like a marine biologist who was like trying to figure out a way to document the the bleaching coral, and then he watched Chasing Ice on a plane and contacted the oh, um, the filmmaker, wow. and then they like kind of set it up and figured out a way to to time lapse it. It's really good. I um, won't go into it too much, but like there's they they run into some problems trying to figure out how to film it, and they end up having to like go down for four hours a day every day for over 100 days to get the time-lapse footage because like they couldn't figure out a way to do it automatically and that is just like an exhausting like just like filmmaking Mm. side like editing that is just like an amazing scene that is a lot of dedication yeah wow but yeah does anyone have any knots this week no it's been a good week weather oh, wow. <laughs> oh yes the weather <laughs> i uh i have a theory the weather is uh it's been very moody right now mm. yes uh, the... well one of my knots would probably be uh speaking of pizza i work at a pizza place and yesterday at my shift i had to make 250 pizzas in four hours Ooh, so that was boy. pretty intense mm. <laughs> but yeah other than that it's been a pretty good week huh yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway we're going to jump to a song now. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, Native Tongue by Mojo Juju. Yes, uh, I, yes, we've played a song on another show, actually, haven't we? Yeah, we've played with me and Marcy um, host The Hoist on Mondays, if you'd like to listen. We, we've played this song a lot. I love Mojo Juju. This song has very strong messages of uh, cultural identity and colonization. So, yeah. And uh, that's, that's the show for this week. You just listened to uh, Native Tongue by Mojo Juju as well we we had a brief chat about mojo juju last week and so the circle is complete we've we've played her <laughs> on this on today we were talking about uh sing universe and uh, rebecca sugar and uh we were also talking about uh, uh someone that laura uh, was talking about like uh sappho yeah so. sappho the uh, ancient greek poet who everyone should really check out yeah and then we we talked we had froth or not we just talked mm-hmm. about some very very chill stuff that's been going on catching up 21st film screenings pizza um, <laughs> yeah yeah next week Wolfie will be back on air it'll but Marcy sadly won't be joining us don't worry though I'll be back in September around there anyway <laughs> looking forward to that um, well thanks for listening to our show this week uh, we're about to wrap it up yeah be sure to follow us on Twitter at SinLoud if you have it um, but yeah we'll be back next week this is this is Horn by Jalar. You're listening. You were listening to Loud and Queer on Sin Nation. Yes. Uh, thank you and bye. You can tune in to hear Loud and Queer streaming live on Sin Nation at sin.org.au or on digital radio every Sunday from 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or 2 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. Our podcast music is by accident. You can find more of their music on Bandcamp. You can find more of our episodes on Omni, Stitcher and iTunes and on Twitter at SinLoud. Loud and Queer is produced on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. 